Two movies enter, one movie leaves. This is the Great Movie Showdown. Tonight, a movie about a crotchety old man who dreams of going up and up versus an alien who's come down to our neck of the woods and down in a small island of Hawaii <laughs> to, uh, to befriend a... Up versus down. Great movie showdown. Way to go, guys. What? Was that the intro? Is no, that what we're going with? That's the intro. <laughs> All right, whatever. And Lilo and Stitch. That's All right. Intro. We're sticking to it. Maybe I'm going to stitch this together in post. And I should like put more good. emphasis on Great Movie Showdown. Oh, the Great oh. Movie Showdown. We're here to talk about Up on the Great Movie Showdown. Yeah. All right. So. Oh yeah, that's. Let's okay, just yeah. let's just start this like you know mm-hmm. like the movies that we idolize, Zach, the Fast and Furious movies. Let's just start with a really good opener. You like, say that a lot, and I mean, I feel like yeah, I feel like that's a stretch. I don't know if we idolize those. movies. I idolize those movies now. I've okay? seen I'm two of you guys them. Right? In with it. I is in we. We is in I. Whatever the point the royal is. We. Okay. Yeah. Let's do this anyway. Well, um, Matt got on my nerves during our oh, texting no. conversation before the, mm-hmm. we recorded this. Oh, Listeners, geez. all five of you, Matt gets on my nerves a lot because he has a weird thing with movies where, and I told him this in the text, I know he has mm-hmm. a heart because he emotionally reacts to some really good movies. So I know the heart is there, but his heart is so weird because as he puts it, Up is very meh and Lilo and Stitch is very meh. And I don't know. Neither one of these movies is meh. Like, I, yeah. Like, can we can we talk about? Lilo's That's going to be the subtitle sister? of this episode: is the Battle of the Mez. Yeah, and it's only going to aggravate me more because. Oh, no, sorry, just... Matt Smith's Battle of the Mez. Yes. Oh my god, that's a great title. All right. So, by the time we get to a very significant scene, I want to say closer to the third act of Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, I believe her older sister's name is Nani. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, and she sings this very beautiful song that is legendary in the island of Hawaii, like in the nation of Hawaii. Yes, it's um, the nation. From, you mean the state? The state, nation, same thing. No, they're wonderful. They're wonderful. I love them all. I really do. I love their cultural history is so rich. And she island do you like more? I don't know all the islands. I just know Hawaii. Okay, the Honolulu point is, is the big one. The point is. She sings a very relevant song, not just to the story that is at hand, which is two motherless girls, um, which are now going to be separated by, you guessed it, Child Protective Services, which is a whole issue that is like very relevant um, with cultural identity, things like that in Hawaii. Anyway, all this what? stuff. Is like, it really? I swear to God, because like America and everything that like as usual. What? American colonialism is just kind of like colonialism in general has just kind of ruined Pacific Islanders. Anyway, she sings the song. Hold on. She sings the song Aloha Hoi to her sister. And it is such an emotional beat. It is so beautiful and is wonderful. It touched my heart when I saw it. Even as a kid, it was so it was so magical. But Matt just goes, the movie's meh. And I'm like, how? And then same thing with Up, which, yes, we all know the opening. It's six minutes long. It's iconic. It's what got them the Oscar. I got it. But then the rest of the movie also, there's a beautiful moment at the end of Up when he has to either save, what is it, Kevin and the kid, I forget the kid's name, Kevin is the giant Russell. bird. We're in Russell, sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm spitballing here, so I'm going to have brain farts. He saves them or he saves the house, right? 
He tells him to get out of the house. He has to sacrifice the house, which is the last thing that reminded him. It's the house he built with his wife. It reminded him of his wife. It's the only reason he's there in the first place to put that house on top of this mountain that has a plateau next to a waterfall that his wife wanted. He lets that go to save them. It's a big emotional moment that has been earned. It is wonderful. The music picks up and then it dies out really quickly. You just see it fade underneath the clouds. It's a beautiful moment. But once again, according to Matthew Smith, meh. So go ahead, Matt. I would like to hear your rebuttal. Well, we got a full show. Like, go ahead. I'm opening it hard. Usually, <laughs> usually we go like a like an hour, hour and a half. I just, I'm so just I'm opening it hard. Sure, I'm sure we'll we'll go through all those points. I have a lot of notes that I made. Oh my god, Matt. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure that we'll get to all those points, and they uh-huh. do not need to be addressed first thing. Mm-hmm. What we can <laughs> what we can address is Will, you went to the movies. Oh, you said you Lord. wanted to talk about that. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a classic case of deflection. Yes, I did happen to go to the movies <laughs> twice, as a matter of fact. Oh my god. Well, anyway. I don't want to get into all my points right now. When we have a show where we're, I'm gonna be discussing all my points, then <sighs> nobody will stick around. I will, it, I will leave it to our other host what we are going to talk about next. Would you guys like my report on how movie theaters are operating under these COVID conditions? I mean, yeah, I feel like it's our we're a movie show. So I think we should, uh, given the parlance of how the world is right now, report on how movies, how the experience of going to the movies is right now. Our oh, man right. in the street, Will Goodnow, with a... <sighs> With a with a breaking story on the current state of movie theaters, let's hear it, Will. Uh, Zach, actually, before Will goes on, yeah, here we go. Man. Coming <laughs> on, Jesus Christ! No, I was I was just gonna say, oh, I, I just got back from vacation and I went to Universal Studios and Walt Disney World. That's so, do you want man. me to do you want me to do that report after? <laughs> sure, those are not such a dick. Sure. <laughs> There have been like five sidebars in the span of one minute. Jesus Christ. Exactly. Like Matt, and by the way, all perpetuated by the one and only Ginger Matthew Smith. Like once again, I, I entered. Okay, this is getting weird. Anyway. Will, tell us your, t- give us your report. Okay. I don't know if you're going to have to like cut all this out now. Um, all right. My report on movie theaters. Um. I got to be honest, I always use the app and the scanner. So like nothing has really changed other than the fact that you have to wear a mask going into the lobby. But otherwise, Mm -hmm. everything is pretty much the same. The social distancing, I was always kind of distant from people in line. I don't like to be right up somebody's ass and I don't like it when someone's up my ass. So I prefer to distance myself from people in line in general. Once again, the only difference is I'm wearing a mask. So you go in, you can order your food. They actually give you the option if you want to, you could pre-order your food and they'll literally have it there waiting for you. And you could skip the line. You could Did just, you go to AMC? Yeah, I went to the AMC Woodlands, uh, AMC okay. 20 in Oldsmar. And hmm. I went there the first time with uh, my girlfriend Kayla and we went and saw the New Mutants. And now what it is is you you have to pre-select uh, your seats. I don't know because I haven't even tried it yet, but they're highly mm. encouraging everyone to pre-order your seats. And the reason being is they don't actually social distance the seats until you select yours. Say if like all oh. three of us went to the theater, we would get three seats sit, sitting next to each other because we're one party. But then each seat like on either side of our little group would be uh, they would have a big old X mark. It's unavailable. So each other seat oh. in a party. Yeah. Now, that's if, interesting. If each one of us ordered our seat, you would see that we would all have to sit one seat away from each other. 
because if uh, you bought a ticket and then I bought a ticket separately, each time, each seat on either side of you would have to be unavailable. So we would have another seat. What so, happens if you just reserve the entirety of the theater? I mean, you first off, why? You, um, I mean, are you gonna have like a birthday party? What are we talking? Maybe. Well, and then I, I mean, that's all in your party. Then yeah, I guess that's fine. Uh, we'll have we have a party of forty eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in some cases, a party of two hundred. Like if you're going to see an IMAX screening or something. Oh my goodness! An yeah, IMAX. Dude, could I you imagine just IMAX ordering forever two hundred? Yeah. 200 tickets for yeah. a, a single movie theater i have the uh, amc a list so i can go see the imax or the dolby we went and saw the yeah. dolby i went and saw i love the idea of going in and then being like like going up to the counter right. at the at the movie theater oh, and just being, um the well, one takes 200 seats for uh for the new batman movie or whatever Jesus. <laughs> if I had the money, I would do that just just to help Batman make all of his chump change. But um, what yeah. was I going to say? The uh, the food situation is a little bit different. That now they do not do any refills at all. Oh, they don't want oh. coming back and refill. No free nothing. refills. What are you going to do if your old dusty bucket you keep in your trunk? Well, if you're old, no, 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 no. I that's been expired, and I'm not going to get a new one until they change that whole <laughs> refill thing. And then I had a bucket that literally let me get a uh you can buy it's like 21 dollars for an entire year and each time you go up and get a popcorn it's like less than five bucks so i mean it's, wow. it's, it's actually pretty pretty good savings on an annual basis if you go to the movies honestly movie theater popcorn a little too salty for my taste mm-hmm. yeah it but is. thing is is i also love to drown mine in butter and now with this whole thing where you can't put the butter on yourself Oh, you have to like give it to a man, and the man puts well, that's butter how it on is your on No, no, no. Both times I had a nice young lady. She looked really. Both of them looked really young, and they gave me extra butter, but like in the uh, plastic cups thing. Oh, uh, they put it in like a little, like a little nacho cheese. Yeah, thing. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, they gave me like two or three extras so I could just sit in my seat and guzzle all that butter right down my beautiful throat. Ew. Matt, all right. So, uh, do you have anything else on uh, the state of movie theaters, or is that it? Um, also, everything everything is like within. I want to say the. Um, what am I trying to say? The dang disinfectant wipes are everywhere. Yeah, That's they have good. to. They keep them at yeah, the uh, the entrance to the theater itself. Like, I mean, when you walk in the the plaza or whatever, and you walk in those doors for the lobby, disinfectant wipes. You make it to the food. As soon as you round the corner on either side, they have disinfectant wipes there. And then outside the screening itself, you know, I'm talking about like the actual theater you're going to walk into, the auditorium, a big old bucket of disinfectant wipes again. And same thing with outside the bathrooms, stuff like that. So, you know, they're just, they're trying and they're doing How many people were at your movie that you went to? I got to be honest, man. There wasn't actually a whole lot. It doesn't look like a whole lot of people are excited to return to the movies. But I want to say that once they get back into the swing of things, like movies start coming out, mm-hmm. I think everybody will start coming coming back. And it's draw. also like even pre-COVID, you would go to some movies. Like if, if it's not like opening night or mm-hmm. it's not like the mm-hmm. Avengers, you could go yeah. see like any movie and there'll be like eight people. Yeah. Right. Like when I saw Tenant, it was actually pretty full considering and it was a matinee. I saw Tenant on like a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it was like afternoon. I think it was like following. Wasn't it like your... right after it came out too? Yeah, it was Saturday uh, like around 12, 10 I think my timing was. And it was about half capacity. 
you know? So what movies are even in the theater right now? Is it just Tenant and New Mutants? Yeah. Literally. Really? Those are the only two movies? In that Russell Crowe movie, Unhinged. I'm surprised oh. Mulan isn't in the theater as well. They're, they really want that Disney premiere money. Yeah. yeah. Disney Plus premiere. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Moving on. So, Matt, why don't you... Uh, Why don't you give us your report on Universal and Disney? Yeah, so Universal, I stayed at a hotel in Universal, and it was Labor Day weekend, and it was super crowded that Saturday. I remember going like to the pool, and I'm like, what is COVID? There's no COVID. Like, There's people as far as the eye can see. There's not a seat available. Like, It was insane. Did you wear masks? Uh, yeah, I wore masks until I like got into the water, but it was crazy. But I think like after, and then I went to Universal Studios the day after, which was like the Sunday. Yeah. And it was really busy there as well, but you're like able to socially distance at a park a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And then... Now, did they like sterilize on the rides, like as you would get I off think, them and stuff? I don't think they do it every time. Or maybe it's like every half hour or so because it I seems like so. I know I, mean, I, I know like Disney hard does it for sure. They do. Like Disney, they also limit the amount of people that come in. Like you have to actually sign up to get it to go. Oh, so it's like everybody basically has like a fast pass type deal. Yeah, but it's like like even if you're like an annual pass holder, you have to say like. You have to book a day. And with Universal, they just let you in until they reach capacity. Oh, okay. But it was definitely – Yeah. With the Disney, I went to Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom. And there was a couple times where, like, they stopped the ride to go sanitize everything. And they Mm -hmm. have everything spaced where they have, like, one party in one row. Then there's a space. And then another party and then a space. So it's, like, relatively safe and you're outside. Most of the time, it, yeah. it was just like the first couple days at Universal that were really bad, and then I ended up going Wednesday, and like Universal was completely dead, except for like Harry Potter Land. Yeah, or the yeah, Wizarding dude, people love Harry World Potter. Harry Potter, yeah, that's like all ever. Well, yeah, because there's probably do. a magical cure for COVID there in Harry Potter World. <laughs> there's a spell. Yeah, yeah, ex ex Covidus Gonicus. <laughs> I, I'm still on the third episode. Third episode of what? Harry Potter. Wait. Third book. Oh, third episode. Third it's not episode. Game of Thrones. <laughs> I, I pretty much know all the spoilers on who died, though. Yeah. That, well, we got to do. Wait, are like, you serious? You haven't seen past the third. Um... I think I remember watching Goblet of Fire. Yeah. But I That's don't a good really one. remember it. And then They're always watched... goofy because it's always like. Harry Potter is always like, oh, there's this evil here. And then everyone's like, shut up, Harry. Voldemort's not back. Voldemort's gone. And then he's always back. <laughs> every time. Yeah. He's like lives on somebody's head. Yeah. Every time. It's like, love protected you, Harry. Your parents' love protected you from Voldemort. And then it's like, your love, your parents' love can protect you now that I'm I'm back, Harry. I'm full strength. And then it's always just some weird bullshit. <laughs> and then every like some new evil person's like, oh, I'm I'm a new uh third faction of just 
ultimate chaos that's just going to kind of get in the way of you defeating Voldemort. <laughs> we need to we need to have like a twenty minute episode where it's a Zach recapping Harry Potter. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> Doing all the voices. Yeah. <laughs> Harry, did you find your name in the Goblet of Fire? Did you put? Yeah, that's my oh favorite. My and they're like, "How'd you put your name in there? How'd you get through?" And Dumbledore's all like freaking out at him, and he's like, "I didn't do it," because Harry like never does shit. He always just like gets shit thrown at him. A hundred points deducted from Gryffindor. Yeah, they don't even talk about the points after like the second movie. <laughs> it's like what the cup doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> Harry Potter. Okay. Yeah, we're like almost 20 minutes in and haven't even <laughs> made any points about either movie yet. I love okay. that. This is what happens, right. you guys, when we take a like a week off and we haven't really talked and we hang well, we out. We also had like three different different like quote unquote news bits to talk about. True, true. Anyway. I like our news bits. Are that, yeah, we went to a place and it was pretty cool. We're this safe. is how it was. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. like post apocalypse. Right. So, so let's let's bring it back now and hop into uh cuz I do have like some other weird stuff to talk about with both Lilo and Stitch and uh, I want to so, do Lilo and Stitch first. You do? I do. Are you okay, okay with that? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So cool. before we jump into that, I do so on Disney Plus when I was looking it up, there's the Lilo and Stitch timeline is kind of confusing as far as the other films. And there were a lot more Lilo and Stitch films than I thought there were. I thought oh, there were... Oh, man, I do. They have a lot of directed DVD sequels. Yeah, but I thought it was just Lilo and Stitch, the sequel movie, and then the animated series. But no. Okay, so Lilo and Stitch. This is the in-universe chronological order of the franchise. Lilo and Stitch is the first film. Then there was Lilo and Stitch 2, Stitch Has a Glitch, which introduced the series, I believe, and had uh, had Sparky, the like electrical Stitch. Because then the whole concept of the series was there were 625 other Stitches that were the experiments before 626. Yep. And that oh, was God. like the whole concept of the series. Is it's like, oh, they're all loose on hawaii and we've got to find them and like get them to chill out and like give them like a job <laughs> to do so that they don't destroy hawaii <laughs> so what was it like in the the sequel they had the electric stitch go into the abandoned lighthouse and just make the lighthouse turn on and that was like his thing he was just a, a lighthouse keeper i guess <laughs> he would dance around the lighthouse and make it turn on and i guess he was content with that to like not screw stuff up in Hawaii past just chilling at the lighthouse. Okay, whatever. Like so, the A24 film that came out last year? Oh, the oh, that's funny. I get it. So then there was the series, the 2003 to 2006 series. Then there was Leroy and Stitch. Then, oh, wait. Hang on. Oh, there's some Japanese only ones well there's also i i'm looking at it too lilo and stitch two stitch has the glitch did you say that one yeah that was the second one but then there's one that's just called stitch stitch the movie 
Yeah, it's just Stitch exclamation point. And then Leroy and Stitch. And like Leroy is like a little red Stitch, right? Yeah. So it's kind of confusing. I just I just wanted to point out that it's hard to follow. They're trying to this beat order. this into the ground. Like if you didn't if you didn't watch the stuff in the order that it came out in like 2003 to 2005 or whatever, then like looking back on it now you're just like why couldn't they just name these things chronologically? And why'd they have to make it so freaking confusing? Because it seems really confusing. Like, look at it on Disney Plus and then just try and think like, oh, I don't know. I don't know the order. Maybe they put them in the order down there. They probably do, actually. Whatever. This isn't important. Let's continue <laughs> with the episode. Let's talk about Lilo and Stitch. Or the All right. Um <laughs> We yeah we went on a couple of tangents but um Lilo and Stitch what what can I say I, I could say this the uh the directors Chris Sanders and um, Dean Deblois or Deblois whatever I, I I can't pronounce his last name for fear of actually mispronouncing it so way to go me just use the they phonetics actually, yeah I know right good luck um point is is they actually have a record of making these really well directed emotional like kids films they they now have made like millions off of dreamworks because they went on and made um how to train your dragon and uh in that series yeah and so anyway you can see and for all of our listeners and and zach in particular that's me i like talking about like watching how an artist works with similar themes across different stories or at least how they grow and work on that theme throughout their career and you could see them kind of hatching this with lilo and stitch where you have a very i want to say secluded kind of looked down upon uh protagonist in in uh lilo and she she's wonderful i mean she's offbeat she's crazy and um that her first scene is she's she's fighting one girl who attempts to bully her, and so she clearly can see. Oh up God, I, that's yeah. one of my notes. It's my favorite part. Oh, Just, it it is. is. Go ahead, Matt. Because I love it. Didn't she like try to bite her or something? Oh, she bit her. No, no, no. She actually <laughs> bit her. She didn't try nothing. She bit her. It she made me bit- laugh. Like just out of nowhere. Like just attacked her like an animal. There's yeah. foreshadowing. Shouldn't have been talking shit. That's really all I got to say about that girl. Like that's what she Act is. Like Stitch. Yeah, man. So you get that, and she clearly doesn't have a whole lot of friends for this reason because she she kind of is in her own world. But also, the movie does a good job of kind of letting you. It doesn't spoon feed you some kind of backstory. You just kind of see it. It's oh, that's not her mom. It's her older sister. Well, where's her mom and dad? And the film doesn't really elaborate on it, but it uses it as kind of an emotional heart tug mm-hmm. a little bit because you, you can see that their life is is pretty rough i mean it it's emotionally rough i should say i mean her sister looks like she provides a perfectly good household and they're not necessarily struggling by any struggling by any like financial means because they have a really nice house yeah that's a solid house it must yeah. be like some life insurance right i mean absolutely you're, you're probably right well about it was that, probably like a house that they already had and then true. like the parents yeah. died see and that's what i mean like all this stuff is not really brought up in the course of the film but visually and just simply by showing us, we can get all this stuff implied. And so however cut off she is or however cut off she seems, Lilo is still strong enough to to be herself. She's not necessarily, you know, retreated into herself so much as she just doesn't really like 
a lot of people, you know, who knows? She makes, she makes peanut butter sandwiches for fish. Yes. I love it. It was one of the sweetest openings ever. I love yeah, it. I and do was, love the bit where the fish is just swimming in front of the frame with the peanut, with the PB and J sandwich. Yes. And then when she tells the uh, teacher, uh, the fish, I forget his name, but he controls Pudge. the weather. Pudge yeah. controls the weather. I mean, it, it's and such what's a, her name? The ginger girl's like, you're weird. And then immediately it's just punch. Punching, yes. <laughs> Shouldn't have been talking shit. Um, <laughs> Chat chick get banged. Exactly, Matt. And yeah. um, it, what a great character introduction. And same thing for Stitch because then you contrast that with this larger-than-life space yeah. epic that's going on where we get him in front of this huge tribunal and he's insulting them in some kind of weird way that everyone literally yeah, think, how does the, the movie opens with the space scene right oh yeah i think so it does yeah yeah that's how and, it, yeah because then after it right. shows the thing like crash landing on hawaii then we get then we get our opener so that's like right. 10 minutes in before we see pudge swim with the little the little okay, sailor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And those contrasting uh, character introductions mm. just just beautifully give you the tone of the movie, which is we're going to have all that heart, all that all that um, all that matters, what you're really going to come for to really kind of weep in your soul, Disney fied. Yeah. And then you get all the fun action adventure stuff, the sci fi adventure stuff through Stitch. Yeah. The space and, bit was pretty fun too. Like just oh seeing God, that the and them building that and all of the goofy, because you can see how most of these aliens are they're aquatic inspired like right. uh, captain gantu looks like some kind of shark thing and what's so brilliant is all right so i have to I, bear with me guys i'm taking on a little bit of a ride because we meet okay. we meet cobra bubbles voiced by ving rames <laughs> yeah. i love his character yes he's so wonderful so we meet him early on and we think he's one way and then by the end mm-hmm. of the film and this has kind of been set up because our um who is the alien um, one-eyed guy who's who thinks oh, that there's an endangered, endangered mosquitoes? Pleakley. Yeah. Pleakley. You guys, yeah. that's that's my girlfriend Kayla correcting me in the background. If anyone clicks that funny. audio, Pleakley. Thank you, babe. And um, yeah. so Pleakley is is basically in this film only because he needs to oversee our evil doctor, make sure he doesn't yeah. get out of hand, ruining that mosquito population. All right. They're endangered. So they set this up throughout the film. We're like, that's kind of crazy because we hate mosquitoes. Then yeah. sure enough, it's all set up later on and implied more. And then we get to the end of the film and Cobra bubbles is an undercover CIA, almost like men in black kind of style guy who yeah. stopped an alien takeover by convincing them that, mosquitoes were endangered and necessary on this planet and now we basically all live and just on like a- super low-key like slides <laughs> that in too yes like casually <laughs> save the world once and it's yes! just like okay whatever so, like as a kid it totally went yeah. right over my head but as yeah an adult, i didn't realize oh. it until i rewatched it today but also about that so the idea that so this alien what what is she the chief counselor or whatever um, I don't remember her, her exact title, delegate of whatever, commit basically Palpatine, I'm just going to say. And she comes in and is like, oh, by, in the beginning, she like doesn't know what Earth is or anything about the planet, it seems like. And she's like, oh, you seem familiar. Did I yes. come here and do some whatever? And I was like, oh, well, I feel like she would remember that maybe. But And then <laughs> her and uh, what's his name, they have bubbles. They have the uh, 
that little like bureaucratic like oh man all this <laughs> all this bullshit yes. the bullshit i've got to like deal with to my superiors right <laughs> and they're both just like yeah man haha <laughs> it's just, and then also it's like the giant so the giant alien uh who's Gantu. basically the bounty hunter captain yeah. gantu is such a terrific character because when when stitch first escapes that big old escape mm-hmm. sequence and i loved the character animation and the voice performance of when he just goes get me mission control like like just a shitty day at the office kind of moment yeah. where he's just he's so aggravated with what just happened and it, it's the film once again to me feels so heartfelt and i love this the animation style because mm-hmm. everything is so soft edged and and rounded out yeah everything's the, very poofy and yeah, fluffy and, and like and the squishy. color the greens are always almost a neon green yeah blues are never um too hard they're they more so, they, they softened into almost like a blue type of gray and then same thing with anything black is more of just mm-hmm. like a navy blue there's nothing and everything has like a bevel to it there's no like hard edges nothing at like all. even her little her little uh, point and shoot camera that she runs around Correct. with it's like yeah. it looks like a bar of soap well the best example <laughs> i give anybody is that even the spaceships themselves when you watch it like, yeah there's no kind of cut edges, nothing like that on the wings. You you see yeah. that in the red it's super yeah, 747 looking yeah. thing. Um, yeah, what's up with the animation style? Like that's like the major thing that I Yeah, all of their heads look it. like cantaloupes. <laughs> like like, I, I, like, I like look at the Disney Renaissance movies and like stuff like that, and then go into that like it Yeah. I mean it, it looks cool, it's like its own different yeah. style, but yep. it doesn't particularly look gr- like great or like beautiful it's just like a i think weird it's style. i think it's beautiful what do you yeah. mean i love all of the, the all of the guns look kind of like chunky no like they if do. you look at the water like you can tell that yeah like it's like really not that well done and and also oh i mean <laughs> it's a it's an artistic oh. choice yeah i mean it's not yeah, as I weird think, as like how the good dinosaur had these photorealistic oh. backgrounds and then had um had like the tooniest of animals in it. it it like almost felt like a tv show animation like well oh, i mean there was a tv no, show no you didn't off. no you didn't yeah you That's said it was a like tv show it. animation no matt i'm sorry i i vehemently not even respectfully i vehemently disagree with your entire just no just no no the animation looks great the water looks great and no it doesn't look like a tv animated movie watch it again and some really cool high def okay and actually maybe he watched the wrong lilo and stitch maybe he was oh. watching the animated series because if anything watching the, animation is, the animation to me is as close as disney will ever get to what i think miyazaki always goes for because once again, in even Miyazaki animation, the characters themselves are never full of like kind of any hard lines or anything like that. A lot of stuff. Obviously, the backgrounds can be very detailed and they do have a lot of hard edges. But if anybody knows what I'm talking about is the animation style and the animation of the characters is very simple. It's it's very mm-hmm. it, they're uh, they're yeah. bigger lines they're they're um they're more simplistic. And there's a reason for it because he doesn't want you to be overly distracted when the yeah. characters are actually going through whatever it is they're going through on screen, he just would rather you be emotionally invested. And to me, that's exactly what Lilo and Stitch does really well. And if anything, it it takes it and expounds it even into the environments. And not to mention, 
it just has fun. It does something different with its animation style that I really liked, particularly when it came to the water and the lava, especially yeah. when Stitch is driving that huge um, semi full of gas into the, the active volcano, which is actually a real volcano, which is fun that they did that. Yeah. They include that. What a weird choice yeah. to drive a, drive a fuel tanker into a volcano. A very Stitch thing to do, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, very consistent with his character. He has zero regard for his own body and, and any kind of harm it may cause him. He does not yeah. care. It's it's pretty great. I love I it. I forgot how much I liked that character. I love Stitch. There's because... something just very, very fun about just uh, this character that just goes ham. You know what I like? And and everyone um, has their own versions or I guess we say like own things that they stick that sticks in their mind about Stitch. But to me, it was when they originally got caught and mm. Stitch and um, Lilo are in that little glass tubey thing that looks like yeah. just a pill bottle, really. Oh, um, I thought it was it reminded me of those like bank tubes. Right. And like I couldn't help but notice it. But what does he do? He squeezes out of one sliver of a, like a crack yeah, like, like a, a cat does underneath the door. Like if you guys ever seen videos of cats squeezing underneath a door frame, that's what it reminds no. me of is the way his head pokes out and just he's, mm-hmm. he squeezes his little hips out and does it. Every time I see that, I just chuckle. So I want to know who had who animated that and did they use cats as reference? It, I they do, probably I use cockroaches. That. OK, well, that too. I mean, yeah. sure. But I always thought cockroaches actually don't have a circulatory system, so they're able to actually smush themselves like all their organs are just in this bag that is their body and all the blood just sloshes around in there like a like a big jamba juice shake and that's why you can like smash them a bunch of times and they don't die because all of their it's not like you're breaking their blood vessels and stuff it's all just in there nice isn't that all bugs no no not all bugs no it's just cockroaches yeah they are so like an ant has like blood. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. everything has blood, but it's like they don't have blood vessels. The cockroach, it's like their body is just a sack full of organs that all just kind of slosh about. I don't think they have there. organs. What? I don't know. They have to have I'm not organs. a biologist. Well, well uh, an entomologist is like someone who studies insects. Yeah. But anyway, let's get back to the movie. <sighs> anyway, and then, of course, he gets burned by the uh, the jet engines, whatever he gets burned off the ship because he's yeah. messing with the, the Which captain. I feel like that would also uh, – that action would <laughs> great – would have terribly destabilized the uh, the trajectory yes, of uh, yes, that ship. <laughs> which uh, didn't look in- incredibly aerodynamic to begin with. No, it did not. But I only say that to further that even though I was going with the cat reference, it does further I- emphasize your uh, point about it being a cockroach. Because sure enough, burned him off like a tick. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> he literally flies off. It's pretty great. Um, that's my favorite moment. And um, I mean, the, the most iconic moment for anybody, at least now they have memes about it, is when Lilo gets upset. And locks her sister out of the house and plays yeah. Elvis and sings Elvis while she's laying on the floor. Yeah, and, and that's how we get introduced to to the uh, their the relationship, child really. Yeah. Protective service agent. Oh man, which once again very very low key when he just yeah. pulls the uh, the door open, even though it had all the nails in it. Yeah, <laughs> like the stupid head. <laughs> <laughs> what do I? It's like every inst- every interaction with that character. It's just like 
like built upon the idea of oh you're not fit to raise a child of course uh, like it, every little thing is great it, it is great but like how do you go from being a cia like alien ambassador basically to oh yeah i'm like i'm like the uh well, the dog, the bounty hunter of child protective service agents now. Because he's he's clearly he's like not retired. there for that. Well, no, it's because he's clearly like not actually there for that. I mean, he he went undercover, I guess, to some DCF guy, but he also was there because Stitch landed there and he was sent there. I mean, that's what? that's pretty heavily implied. You're right. He wouldn't just be there just because. Oh, I thought you know the I mean? whole Stitch thing was just a uh, happenstance coincidence. Yeah. No, definitely not. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty confident. Because it seemed like he wasn't like super about it because he was taking the girl away. He was taking well, he the girl away. He didn't know what her relationship to him was. He didn't know anything like that. He was just, you know. Well, you would have thought that he would have been sent some kind of report or something. Right. But if he's going undercover, right, he gets like a a, a regular job, which apparently is for DCFS on Hawaii. I well, don't know. I'm not saying. CIA. I think that's just another job, like a retirement job. Uh, maybe you guys are right, but I always got the impression yeah. that he was just kind of in this job, not really good at it either. Not the type of guy who should be working that job. It's what do you mean not good at it? He said that he he was the guy that gets sent in when others fail. I'm just, and then it was like, just in case you were wondering, this was not a good meeting. I I don't know. This I just never got go the impression well. that like. After the movie was done, I, I just thought I kept thinking back going, oh, OK, so he clearly worked as DCFS as like a cover for what he was really trying to do. You know, mm. he was he's clearly trying to he was there on that island to see about the alien activity. But this DCFS thing is just a regular job. So no one thinks he's, you know, there I don't for know. Reasons. I feel like we have to watch all of the sequels and the <laughs> animated series to learn more about Cobra. We got to read the books. Yeah, I I do want to say this, though, I I. I think the film does a good job of setting up what's at stake for each of the characters because mm-hmm. the film doesn't have any kind of centralized villain, even what would seem antagonistic by, you know, Stitch's creator. He comes around and realizes, you know, even though he's just an experiment, he, he is capable of love and, you mm-hmm. know, beyond what he was just made for, which is cool. And then obviously our, our captain gone to same thing. He's just hunting the guy down on behalf of the empress or whoever, right? The queen. Well, she's like the, uh, what is it? She's like the commission or the grand Councilwoman. That's yeah. what her character's name is. So on behalf of her, once he realizes that stitch also isn't so bad, um, the film to me does a really good job kind of like pre Pixar and what they hit their groove with of like yeah. just having characters, their, their main antagonist is the miscommunication. No one is able to truly empathize and connect with each other. Well, I mean, Gantu or not Gantu, uh, Jamba at the beginning, he was just some evil scientist. Like actually he just yeah. wanted to destroy things and create monsters. Exactly. And it, and it very much yeah. you know, leans in that way. In his mind, though, he's just this misunderstood yeah. uh, pioneer in, I guess. Uh, yeah, and like the newspaper says, which is it's interesting that the aliens have print media still. Idiot scientist goes gets goes to jail. All this technology, and they don't just have like what we have now, which is media on our yeah. phones and stuff. But once again, shows you, you know, pre. This was also two thousand three. Exactly pre smartphones, they had no idea what was yeah. coming. Uh, everyone get their news from Facebook. But anyway, yeah. I digress. <laughs> 
it was it was very cool to see how the film worked towards mm-hmm. more, uh, more or less not a big action climax so much as a great emotional one where all the stakes are set up and then everything mm-hmm. pretty much is quite literally brought home where now they they get this extended family the girls who were by themselves it was just lilo and her sister and even their yeah. relationship was stressed they end up with this huge extended family with cobra with Pleakley, with jumba with Stitch. Which is still weird to me. Like, it- let's talk about that real quick. So, so these aliens that are basically banished from, for almost like, at least like in Pleakley's case, like no fault of his own, really. He was basically <laughs> thrown into this. And then it's like, don't let him back on the ship. <laughs> like, he was just trying to keep this guy from like shooting up an island with a bunch of primitive humans on it. Mm-hmm. And keep this, keep this felon, this convict, this a, a man committed of war crimes, creating a bio weapon <laughs> from basically breaking the prime directive of the Federation, and then gets like thrown into this, and then these two aliens that basically tore the family apart. <laughs> are just like chilling and living with them now. <laughs> like, how does that, how does that work? How's that not weird at all? And then of course, Cobra bubbles, like you see all the photographs at the end of them, like yeah. chilling and watch having movie night together with them all. They're dressed as Santa and just like, how did, what? How? Cause families are weird, man. If you love your family, every, every family is dysfunctional and weird, dude. That's uh, well, I yeah, but it's it's also like how do they how do they like keep up that ruse to everybody else in Hawaii? <laughs> I don't know, but it's an animated. That's the movie. hard part, and they dip out before you have to think about it too much. I mean, the movie's over by then. Well, yeah, um, but there's like five sequels and an animated series. I'm only going off the movie, man. The animated series is, I mean, once again, it's animation. What do you want? We're only talking about the movie, right? Well, yeah, but it was like the movie ends, and I remember just. Really wondering like what happens with them all after. I was that. just, like, I was just jealous. What's the relationship cool, uh, with these aliens? I was and, just jealous that they um, had the cool hover cars at the end. That's true. Yeah, oh, so dope. I want them yeah. so bad. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think I've said almost everything I can say about the film. I mean, like I said, thematically mm-hmm. really great. Um, Aloha Oi, um, the way uh, the actress's name, I think it's Tia Carrere. God, I don't want to mispronounce her. Use the phonetics. I'm looking at it. C A R R E R E. I mean, what do you want me to do? Carrere. I don't well, know. There should, those are not phonetics under it. I don't know, man. I'm not a scientist. I don't either. I don't know. Point is, she sings a beautiful rendition of the song, and it comes at the perfect time in the film. And it, it I'm so glad they put that in there. Uh, it, it could have been used like as kind of a cheap, like, oh, we're in Hawaii. Better use Aloha Oi, you know, which is, um, by the way, I, God, I don't want to mispronounce her name, but it's a famous Hawaiian princess. Um, and it is a cultural symbol for Hawaii. It is Lilu Ukalani is the princess's name. And it, it has very rich ties in uh, Hawaii. It's a big deal. Let's just put it that way. And um, yeah, it was used wonderfully in the film. And I'm, I'm glad that they made this movie. Let's put it that way. I love watching it. It's great. Yeah. Yep. That's it, Matt. Let's. Uh, I do want to. <laughs> Can we talk about um about David real quick? 
<laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh yeah, David. Oh man, voiced by the guy who played uh Bruce Lee and what's that called? A uh, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Enter the Dragon. No, no, no. There's a movie called Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. It's directed by the guy who made the first Fast and Furious movie, Rob yeah. Cohen. It's not that good of a movie, but I love Jason Scott Lee. He also played Mowgli in the first live action Disney version of it. He's cool. Um, he also played the antagonist in Soldier with Kurt Russell, but he was like super jacked. I didn't recognize him. And he was bald in that movie. But I digress. I just love Jason Scott Lee. What do you want from me? Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I was just like scrolling through um, like stuff on Google and an image popped up that's like Lilo holding hands with Osmosis Jones. Mm. And I'm really confused by it. But wait, what did you want to talk about with David? I just thought that that character was fun and interesting. And I don't know, because he was just like trying to be cool. And he like drops his fire sticks and stuff. Right. I just it felt it felt very very organic and real and to have like a normal a normal person kind of thrown into their weird crazy messed up family dynamic that's just like trying to be a good dude and be like a good friend and stuff. I thought that was a uh, I don't know. I can't remember like what my original point was. I did want to bring up the Stitch and Cobra introduction when you see both of them together for the first time. And he, because uh, I completely forgot about this. And when, when he like pegs him in the face with that book thing. Oh, God, yes. That is, <laughs> that looks hard. The way they animated it too. Holy yeah. crap. But it was just so, uh, so like out of nowhere. Yeah, it was. Where he's told. like, oh, you got a dog. And then just peg him right in the face. <laughs> Holy hell. Oh, man. And even as a kid, I just remember thinking like that must have hurt like hell. And oh, man, they're in trouble. I'm, yeah. There's just no better way to set up like, wow, Stitch really is a tiny little asshole. Like, there's yeah. just no other way to put it. He is. He's just a tiny asshole. Yeah. It's but pretty it's, uh, it's, it's a very great. fun movie. It's it's very different from um, yeah from anything else Disney had. And I think that was probably part of why the marketing for it was also very weird. I've, I always wondered about it. Like, I wonder how effective the marketing, uh, the marketing for it actually was. I mean, it's, it's, I remember it's, they put him <clears throat> in all those Disney movies and all the yeah. trailers. Um, they had like multiple TV trailers where he was in like a different scene from a different Yeah. He was movie. in like when Rafiki would hold up Simba and he like, just, it was just stitch up there. Yeah, and the whole the whole idea behind the marketing was, oh, he's been in every movie. It was like a Slenderman thing before Slenderman, where they're like, oh, he's always <laughs> been there, just yeah. in the background, and no. you never saw him. No, that's no? not it. What, Matt? What? Go talk, speak. Well, first thing I'll say that the marketing is effective because we like what we saw those commercials 19 years ago, 18 years ago, and we still remember them. Yep. But it's not that he's saying that he's been in every movie. It's saying that he's in, it's like a bit meant to be a joke. Like he's invading other movies and everybody, he's invading Disney. Everybody's saying like, get your own movie. Like, get out of here. Like, like they don't want him around. Like you're not like (laughs) us. 
Yeah, that's true. He definitely wasn't. He was definitely annoying. Like, even the poster, like the poster on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, it's like every Timon and Pumbaa and the genie and Aladdin. It says, yeah, everybody's looking there's at one in every family, and it has Lilo. Yeah. Which or no, is, it has Stitch right Tarzan, there. though. I don't see a Tarzan. Oh, man. Yeah. We, we just need, uh, what's no the Phil no, 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 no Milo. No Milo from uh, Atlantis either. You notice that? Oh, man. Yeah, I think they, it seemed like they just went with the uh, the Golden Age Disney. Yeah, they definitely left out those two. Those are the bastard children of Disney, man. Tarzan and Atlantis. Meanwhile, they've, I don't know, they're still really well-made movies. Well, it's like all Disney Renaissance movies, and then it's like Tinkerbell, yeah. Pinocchio. Uh, there's like uh, Dopey is yep. on there. Dopey's there? Oh, yeah. I don't remember the Snow White. One. Oh, there's even Mickey Mouse and like Winnie the Pooh and stuff. What well, poster are you looking at? Um, I'm on I'm the Wikipedia sure. page. Oh, I'm just looking at like a Google. They have it right here on the IMDb There's one in every page. family. On the IMDb page, I have that same one with uh, they've got Jasmine, Genie, Aladdin, yeah, Carol, Beast, yeah. Uh, Pinocchio, yeah. yeah, everybody, and Rafiki. So, but um, anyway, point made. They definitely did a good job marketing this film. Uh, to me, it, it it stands up there with other Disney classics. It really does. It, is it on par with, I mean, the other ones that we voted to go onward in this bracket? No. Maybe. But I don't, I don't see it as just because Disney has set the bar so high. But as a non-musical 2D animated film that it was, like say of the three of Tarzan um, – Atlantis and this, this one definitely is the most unique animation wise, story wise, uh, even comedy wise, as you reference with the style of humor that just comes out yeah. of nowhere. I mean, we didn't even talk about the Baymax looking man. <laughs> yeah, with the ice cream cone. That yeah. scene. Oh, dude, he's in two scenes, right? Because then he, at the end, he's, when in, he's in multiple scenes. Yeah. 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 Like every yeah, time he like has an ice cream cone. And then yeah. he's like towards the end twice. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, Stitch clips his ice cream cone with the wing of the spaceship <laughs> at the end. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah. like this guy's always shirtless, but he's always got like the weirdest tan. Yeah. <laughs> like, you'd that, think Disney? that that would have evened itself out by the end of the movie. You would have thought, yeah, Disney, what the heck, man? Give this guy a decent tan. Go back and do some George Lucas thing, okay? Give that <laughs> just a red body all over make it consistent i don't know i think that's probably what just like made it because otherwise he's just like a guy with an ice cream cone. <laughs> that's true it's oh like- my gosh i just stumbled across a uh like a live action version of stitch and he looks like a gremlin oh yeah i love some of those man. i hate Art, it i hate it no those are cool i like those I he's, like- it's like a koala mixed with a gremlin I mean, yeah, that's that's very accurate. If you look at even the regular animation, the the film version of it, it's pretty much what he are. Is. They going to make a live action version of Lilo and Stitch? God, I hope not. Don't do it. it. I mean, there's just no point. Don't do it. It would look. It would live action Lilo funny. and Stitch already facing issues. Is the thing is, is Lilo and Stitch as an animated film mm-hmm. gets to almost avoid the one thing that we all would immediately call it out for as a live action, which is the comparisons to E. T. Because once you oh, do yeah. that, yeah, because once you do that, see, that's what I mean, because it's animated and it's its own style uh-huh. and the animation style is so out there, like it's so different from everything else. And it's Hawaiian. Yeah. And it doesn't even 
thank you because it's true. The culture kind of uh, becomes very relevant to the front of the mm. film. Ohana. So Ohana just, means spaceman. Yes, even though it means family, but okay. Space family. All right. Uh, the point being, you, you make it live action and suddenly you're just going to fall face first into all those E.T. tropes. Just don't do it. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Disney, I know it's probably going to make like a billion dollars, but for the love of God, stop with the live action remakes. So a uh, quick note, I just saw a, an article title that said Lilo and Stitch pulls ahead of Minority Report mm. <laughs> for the box oh. office. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Wow. Even though Minority Report, that one too, man. We got to do a we got to do a movie showdown with that. Minority Report versus Lilo and Stitch. I was actually going to say like maybe <laughs> Total Recall or something. Yeah. That'd be cool. I like I like this movie though. I really like it. I like it's, it a lot. And I think it holds up too. Like it's a good time. I went in like I went in to watch this movie again today and wasn't I wasn't expecting it to be as good as I felt like it was at the end of the movie cuz I'd mm-hmm. seen it a bunch of times before and I mean I always remember enjoying it but it's it's a fun it's a fun it's a fun time you'll like it yeah. you'll like it there's it's merging of these two two different worlds and i feel like it merges them in what a fun way the characters are fun there's not like too many characters either like there are in a lot of these other movies True. like in atlantis where there's like 50 people who it's, didn't you've really got, get, yeah, you didn't really understand their motivations or anything. Yeah. You didn't really get a whole lot of backstory. You just like you get that one scene in Atlantis where everyone just goes, "Yeah, money. We're here for the money," and it pretty much yeah. just you just roll with it because it's an action adventure romp. But you're right, Lilo and Stitch. Clearly, even David, our little side character that we didn't really talk about too much, yeah. he, he's the love interest of Nani, the older sister. Mm. But he. He gets his nice little moments, man. He does. He gets yeah. cool character beats where you clearly see that this guy he means well, and he's you know he, he's he's a sweetheart. He even tries to save Stitch, <laughs> and then like makes him feel terrible. Yeah. Said that, oh, yeah. yeah. Why? I really thought they had a chance, and then you showed up. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been something. They won't yeah. get tender. Oh, now look no. at them. Let's hear Matt's points. Let's hear them. I mean, my points like against Lilo and Stitch aren't really that yeah. interesting. I like that's why I said it's Matt because I don't have anything negative to say, but I don't have a whole lot of positive to say. It well, let's great. hear the Matt points. Yes, yeah, hear the Matt points. We probably should have opened on these points then. We really should have. Well, I'm just gonna go over like my notes that I have that I haven't really touched on. Do let's it. And do it. These have nothing to do with. My meh. Oh my god! No, it, get to the meh. Get to no, the meh. I, I want to get to the other points first. Oh god, man! But I just thought it was kind of weird, like the Elvis <laughs> photo, where it's like live action Elvis in this animation movie. Oh, it's like yeah. you can't even animate <laughs> Elvis. It's like that. Just I, I brought up that point for like Wally, yeah. like something about live action just showing up in. Like a middle of an animation movie just kind of like yeah. takes me out. It it did kind of it was kind of jarring at first, <laughs> but because I do remember having that exact same feeling the first time that I saw this movie, and then even today when I rewatched it, I was kind of like that again. And I was like, "That's a real picture of Elvis," and with these people that have like 
cantaloupe shaped heads. <laughs> I do kind of like that it's like Elvis and yeah. he has like a connection with Hawaii, I guess. Yeah. Like Not really, but it's yeah, because even at the end, they have the picture of them all in front of Graceland. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he has like either it's like movies or like concerts or both, but yeah, like he's kind of like associated with Hawaii, like a little bit like that in Vegas. Well, I think it's because also um, Hawaii is a chain of islands kind of in the middle of nowhere. So I'm sure that they don't have like access to the same resources that the greater 48 has. Uh- Imagine like living in Hawaii and then taking a journey to go to Tennessee to go to Graceland. <laughs> uh, it like reminded me of when I when I went to England and and then I came back. I like flew in and out of Orlando, and like I, like the plane was just like when I came back, it was like full of English people going on vacation, and it was just like. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm coming back home. And like everybody like had all their Disney stuff on and they were like complaining about the plane being delayed because they wanted to go to their hotels. Like I, I can imagine like them having that feeling. <laughs> well, right, so when you go back funny. home to Hawaii from Tennessee. The whole, thing, <laughs> the whole thing and, and please you guys look it up. Um they deleted a scene that showed uh Lilo dealing with a little bit of racism in Hawaii, which is her home country. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They deleted it. There's a – I forget who who had the video. Um, there's a really good video essay on the underlying themes of like cultural appropriation mm-hmm. and basically Hawaiians feeling like they are – like as the kids are, they, they, they're fatherless in an island. And the, the whole song of Aloha Oi has cultural significance. Just hear me out. The whole thing about Elvis. Yeah. The reason why Lilo as a character likes – Elvis and why it's so prominent is once again, Elvis is very representative and indicative of cultural appropriation, whether it be black artists who clearly, you know, wrote his songs and then he just made them really popular. And same thing with the Island of Hawaii. I don't think many native Hawaiians really care for Elvis and what kind of attention he brought to their Island. But the point is, is that whether they like it or not, he has cultural significance and Lilo being Lilo is a sweet child who just likes the music. She likes the style. She likes the King. It's awesome. So it kind of has this sweet kind of endearing thing. Go look. Yes, obviously it's problematic, but it it's, you know, it's very sweet. I, I like the fact that they, they don't have to hit you over the head and preach to you about kind of cultural appropriation and, and the underlying uh, themes of what's going on, you know, in the, um, the state of Hawaii. But mm-hmm. the fact that they at least shed a little bit of light on it and it's there, it doesn't distract from the main plot, but it is heavily implied if you know what you're looking for. It's really cool. Anyway, That's continue, guys. It is. It oh, yeah, I didn't I didn't know that, that was a thing in Hawaii. Yeah. I learn a lot. We uh, we learn some, we laugh some, we live some <laughs> here on the Great Movie Showdown. Yeah. Matt, um, let's go. My, my next point was gonna be like how that sister, like I feel like that sister should have got rid of Stitch. I don't know. Five minutes in, but still they probably should have like around. never adopted him. Yeah, and like maybe like when they get to like the fourth job interview that they screw up or job application, like or like the second one. Hit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm gonna get a job. No, this alien screws it up. Yeah, but yeah, she's definitely like MVP of this movie. Like, very solid character. Good person. Sister. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nina or Nanny or Nina. Nani. Or Nani. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Dyslexia. Nani. And then my, my final point that I have, yes. like my final fun fact, and I'm the like kind of, I'm, I'm kind of excited because yeah, I, I'm surprised I'm saying this and you guys didn't bring it up. Okay. But I mean, as fun of a fact as this could be, and, oh, Lord. and we are recording this on uh, 9-11. Can't do it. Oh, I know what he's talking about. <laughs> But uh, Lilo and Stitch got the old treatment that like Spider-Man got and uh, Men in Black 2 got where we got to change the ending to make it where there's no planes in there. So basically there's like a YouTube video, Lilo and yeah. Stitch, where they they have like apparently like it wasn't a spaceship they were supposed to have. They just took a plane, mm-hmm. but they, Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. And that's yeah. So big. Cause it looks like a 747, literally the spaceship. Yeah. They just like retextured they just it. Retextured it. Yep. Which is brilliant by the way. It really is. actually. Like if you didn't know that you would never think anything yeah. of it. But I mean, where did their spaceship come from? Like, I don't like, I guess they had it hidden somewhere and we just, didn't yeah, it was like hidden in the jungle, yeah. but I mean, they would have had to have had a spaceship because otherwise yeah, I, I, would I feel have like it made there. more sense than like taking a plane. Yeah. True. But, but it, it, that was like back in the day when we were like all sensitive about that stuff where like clear yeah. channel. But it seems a, weird too. Like, Oh, a plane and somebody took it. Well, so. it probably, because it would have had to have been him like hijacking a plane somehow. Yes. And so, this alien terrorist hijacking a plane. Yeah. Yeah. So it probably would have like made stuff weird. Because then been. in the beginning of the sequel movie, you mm. see Stitch use that same spaceship to try to catch, I think, Captain Gantu for some reason again. And then I think the ship like blows up or crashes or something. Okay. Right, now, well. now, Will, do you want me to like go into my points? Yes, the man well, yeah. points. Let's I, I don't really have a lot points. of points with, with like, it's just like I watched it and I'm like, okay, this mm-hmm. is good, but I, I wasn't really like attached to it, like as much as you. I, I mean, there were certain points where I'm like, oh, okay, that's sad, but I just, I just wasn't feeling it. Okay, yeah. and like it is cute, like when he does the. Ohana means family. (laughs) Oh, Matt, I love that line delivery. Ohana means family. (laughs) Ohana means family. He makes he makes this sound like an old decrepit man who's like Ohana. Well, that's how he talks. Ohana means family. (laughs) It's not how he talks, but okay. (laughs) I'm I'm, uh, sounding like our old characters that are going to be. And the next movie we talk about Up. Yes. Oh, yeah. You ready to talk about Up? Yes. I think so, yeah. I think I'm ready. Okay. Let's Uh, get it up. Do you want me to just do my points since I have them up? Do the points. Yeah, set them up and we'll knock them down. Well, yeah, we all know about the beginning. Do we really need to talk about the beginning? How much do we need to say about the beginning? We we should address that beginning. I do want to address something real quick. So before today, I'd only seen Up past the beginning i think like 20 to 40 minutes in wow so i didn't know anything about the beginning like i think the first time that i saw up it started at like when they were walking the house 
on the on the cliff face. Yeah. So yeah. So like when I guess they just got there and they were all tethered up and going on their jaunty little journey. So I had never seen the the John Ratzenberger bit at the beginning and the sad bit at the beginning. Yeah, because like Until the sad bit is what it's known about. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Okay, yeah, Zach, talk about it. So the beginning bit's like really sad, and I I knew it was like going to be sad. So I'd been putting off watching this movie because I just didn't want to like have to emotionally invest in something like that. And then I watched and I'm like, okay, this is like really wholesome. And the whole thing where it's like they have the still, the, the, uh, the stillborn, I guess it's not a stillborn, but just the, uh, yeah. The failed pregnancy. Yep. And the whole the whole idea that like you go through life and you you have this dream that you want to achieve and life just kind of gets in the way and you just keep putting it off and putting it off and never actually like doing the thing. And then right. you realize that like you never did the thing and then you're sad and alone. And you've put the thing off and like the stuff that the stuff that like made you fall in love, you never did. And then that's like really sad, you know, and it makes well, you know. what the film ends on. That's not the note that the film is going to teach you by the end of the film, but it definitely. Well, yeah, but that's like right. kind of how it you starts. S- you set it up, because normally like that would be the end of the journey. And that's where this particular story starts is yeah. at at what feels like it would be the literal end of this character's life. Carl, Carl Fredrickson. Well, his like his wife was the one that I was like talking about. Right. Like that's Ellie. the end of her story is where our journey begins. Oh, but to get so like wonderful. the whole entirety of their relationship like summed up into this little six minute montage that's super wholesome and super super tender and relatable and they're like fixing this house together in their uh in their their wedding attire mm-hmm. on their honeymoon and it's just oh that's that's so cute <laughs> and all that but yeah and then like you just feel feel dead and like crushed and everyone like you're totally on carl's side the whole time in the beginning because like when i first watched it i was like why is this guy just such a freaking prick Poor Russell. I don't even Uh, think he's that bad. Well, no, but like without the context, without the context of like the beginning bit, yeah, that was like where my head was. Okay, I can. This guy's just like a prick. He's just beating on this tiny mailman. (laughs) Which that's one of my favorite things that I've seen in any movie ever. When Doug was like. Hey, I found the bird. Blah blah blah, and then <laughs> the the bulldog uh, was like, "What's he doing with What's he doing with the bird? Why is he with that tiny mailman?" Oh, <laughs> Doug is amazing. <laughs> His character introduction too, and that's nothing. Just I knew they had to do it one time. Like it's a lazy joke. It's it's low hanging fruit, but you have to do it when uh, Kevin is on the roof. And yeah. he just goes, hey, get off his roof. And I'm like, ah, oh, you got to do God. it. He had to do it. It's perfect. Yeah. And um, yeah, I will Tiny go ahead. mailman. I, I have to say, <laughs> just to give you guys proper context, mm-hmm. I saw this movie um, in theaters actually when the 3D craze was going on before oh, now when everything's in 3D. Yeah. And this film won me over with what 3D could be because yeah. – 
it gave you a lot of depth, especially when they were in the jungle, things like that. The way it was animated, it was so brilliant. Particularly mm-hmm. the scene that happens at the end after um, the the villain, what is his name, Charles Muntz, yeah. with Kevin and um, Russell's really upset, and Carl's dragging the house behind him, the floating house behind him, and you mm-hmm. just get like that sundown, or I'm sorry, sunset um, shot, and they're basically moving. I want to say. Yeah, they're they're moving horizontally across the screen from left to right, and I just remember that being in 3D and looking so wonderful. Dude, I bet that Zeppelin looked epic in 3D. It did. Everything looked so amazing in 3D. It was really great. Nothing invasive. Nothing popping yeah. out. They didn't go out of their way to stick. They didn't in do their like face. the thing where a character like points at the screen. Right. And it's like they're touching um, your eyeball. But I only bring that up because, like I said, where the 3D really kind of got me was in what is now that that iconic opening that six mm-hmm. minute uh montage where when the, like black and white show, thing where they're introducing oh no no i'm talking about literally the the the, the love story that is carl and ellie like oh, when they yeah. meet its kids to that montage to where you you can't appreciate how well made it is when he first hurts himself and she kind of floats the the balloon into the room yeah because when i saw him 3d it was so investing and then same thing when she gets the, the diagnosis and she's sick in bed and he floats the balloon in there. And then same thing when they're going up the hill and when the clouds turn the babies and then the other time, you know, like I said, when she gets really bad and she falls when they're running up the hill, like it just, yeah. I don't know. It just in enraptured me and, and put me in that story. It was so great when I saw it on a big screen in 3d, but I, I couldn't have said it better, Zach, the way you put it, the film to me touches on a lot of what we all go through in life which Mm -hmm. is we're all so scared that we're missing out. It's what now has been whittled down to that uh, acronym that we all say, like FOMO, fear of missing out. Oh, I thought that was a rabies acronym. (laughs) Yeah, right. FOMO, FOMO. Yeah, right. Just just FOMO, fear of missing out. And the film by the end teaches you like, yeah, sure, you're you're missing out on that stuff, but you got to realize that what actually mattered to you was this this love this this kindness this yeah. this connection you had with the people in your life and Carl yeah. did not have anyone else Ellie was always encouraging him to be more outgoing but true yeah. to even his character animation he was so rigid and so stuck in his way he only wanted one thing squarehead yes and it's such brilliant character animation because Russell's animation is an egg which mm-hmm. you know is is played for laughs in the film he looks like an egg that's why Kevin oh my gosh I never, never noticed that but. He's shaped like an egg also, as you can see, like a, like a rebirth, <laughs> like you know, like life. Wait, what? Yeah, like, you know, eggs, like for Easter, what they symbolize, which is kind of like, hey, you know, life, creation, things I like that. I thought they so, symbolize candy. Oh, Lord. I can't work under these conditions, you guys. Sorry, continue. <laughs> or was that it? <laughs> My point is, is, on every level that you can tell a story, the mm-hmm. animation – the actual script, even the score by Michael Giacchino, which is I do love the music. The music's oh, so good. Oh, I think he won the Oscar for this. Can can we actually confirm that? I, I can almost guarantee he did. Let's confirm it or unconfirm it. I think he did. Uh, Two thousand nine. Yeah, went to Oscars. It did. See more awards. Oscar. Yep, Michael Giacchino for wow. It, it was actually nominated for Best Picture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big deal. Dude. It was really good. Dude, up in God, Now I feel really bad about calling it meh. Well, I yeah. mean, Matt, you're, you're entitled to your opinion, even if it's wrong. It's fine. Um, did it win? What did it win yep, for? Yep, it, it did best win. Animation. Best original score. 
And then it won. I think that's it. It just won for. It score. didn't win best animation. I think it did for, for, yeah. Best animated feature from yeah yeah I did it won best animated feature, and achievement music. It was also up for original screenplay and an achievement in sound editing, which I get. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, I forgot that. Wait, was Rio a Disney movie? Rio, no, Rio was not. Chicken Little was a Disney movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why yeah. is Chicken Little on the on the bracket? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. That's I completely hard. forgot about Chicken Little. Nobody cares about Chicken Little. That's why you wow. forgot about it. Yeah, that, that score is brilliant. Oh, and I like how it's like it kind of it like changes like throughout the montage. Yeah. Like depending on the moment. And That's then it like yeah. and then it goes like throughout the movie, like when it's becoming like like epic when they're chasing, yeah. they still make it like like it's the score that could do anything and like have any emotion. Like it, it, it sounds like a Pirates of the Caribbean like theme, like when it's trying to be epic, yeah. Okay, yep. so I encourage everyone who's listening, mm-hmm. if you love Michael Giacchino scores, you have to listen to Carl Goes Up, Paradise Found. This is all from the soundtrack. Just watch the and- movie. Well, obviously, yes, but I'm saying just listen to the music and the Ellie badge as well. When you listen, oh, yeah. when you listen to those, just those songs, particularly Carl goes up. I've never been able to articulate to anyone like what what kind of song would be good for imagining, say, like slowly ascending or something like that, like in a beautiful way. Like really, if you close your eyes and you had to just rely on the music, Carl goes up is fucking amazing. I can't stress this enough. Like it, yeah. it literally every time it, it it gives me the juice creatively when I'm trying to write something because it's so wonderful and it's, it's gorgeous. And yes, obviously, Zach, you're right. Like if you guys, you guys can almost just visualize it through music, but please watch mm-hmm. the movie and you know exactly the scene I'm talking about when yeah. he literally does go up, when he, when those balloons come out and that. Oh how yeah. When he have at the construction site uh, or when the, the bus is trying to take yes, him to and, Shady Oaks. And this is Pixar really getting into their visual, um, just their visual bag, I guess I can say, because Nemo was a beautiful film to look at for sure. But to talk about really dreamlike, gorgeous cinematography, mm-hmm. Up is where it's at, dude. Like Up is is the epitome of that, particularly when he's flying through the city and you get all those yeah. shots. It reflected off windows. Which I do have some notes about sky. that. Go ahead. Hit, hit us with them. So – um, so right now I'm I'm working on my uh, my remote drone pilot certification, and it led me to uh, to some interesting observations about um, about this film and uh, and the the logistics of trying to uh, pilot a house through controlled <laughs> airspace in an oh urban Lord. area. Oh Lord! And <laughs> how um, how an unguided dirigible, like a hot air balloon, or in this case. I guess the closest thing that this would be is a hot air balloon. I don't think you can fly that through a city. Although I'm not sure that there's an exact classification for what exactly the fuck is happening in this instance to regulate through controlled airspace. But you I'm think it would have got sure shot that, down by the Air Force? Yeah. Our, our Delta Niner, we've got a we've got a house being lifted by balloons through uh through controlled airspace uh what 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 do we did do? it already get attacked by a dog air force at the end too 
That's true. It does. It gets attacked by a, which I also have some notes about, about, um, that later, but I feel like we should focus on the beginning of the movie. I don't want to weigh you down with too much about airship logistics in this part, but just the idea of flying it through the city. Once he like pulls the sails out, that's when I'm like, okay, okay. So there is, there are control surfaces. He has kind of thought of it. And the idea that he just like whips it up in a night, the night before he's going to be taken to a old folks home. I wonder what it was like going through his head. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm tie yeah. a bunch of balloons to my house and then I'm going to fly my house to South America. Right. Which I feel like it would take, because it seemed like they were there in like a day. I'm not sure where his where his house was located originally, but Let's like say California, California, sure, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it does kind of feel like one of those California houses with how that front like room. That is. When in doubt, should say California because that's where like the studios are. That's true. Yeah, they probably filmed this in California. but but yeah and also um aside from that of course like the helium would probably leak out earlier and i I wonder how many balloons you would actually need in order to lift the house there's probably some like mythbusters and how many helium tanks you would have needed but let's talk let's talk about the beginning of the movie immediately like after ellie's death when he's there and he like goes out on the porch and there's all this construction going on. I thought that was really interesting. And you have John Ratzenberger's character, the, uh, the Stan Lee cameo of Pixar movies. We need to do a great Ratzenberger showdown where we have all of his characters go up against each other. That's actually, I kind of, I kind of like that idea a lot. Yeah. (laughs) But, (laughs) But he's there. He's like trying to. He's super nice to the guy too. Like super reasonable. He's like, oh yeah, like uh, he he wants to offer you double the money. And then he's he basically tells him to shove it and tells him to tell his boss to shove it. And then I like how you get a little bit of humanity with him when he's like, oh yeah, yeah, you put prune juice in his uh, in his gas tank. You're like, huh, yeah, that was really funny. And just the idea that like this crotchety old man is just pulling these crazy pranks on this yeah. this developer that looks like an undercover alien <laughs> that never says a word. <laughs> but you look at him and doesn't he he looks like I don't remember like an what alien. he looks like. You don't remember? No. Look it up right now. Look up the developer from up. Well, no, I I, I no, like look it. it up. I- <laughs> look it up, Matt. I'm trying. Um, while he's looking up, wait. Oh my gosh! And it's a character that never says anything, so there's no way to like look. So there's no like actual credit for that character, which sucks. But yeah, the moment after, I think maybe like one of the most heartbreaking moments in the movie is after the mailbox gets hit by the by the excavator thing the bulldozer or whatever the heck that it was 
and then he's fighting with the uh, with the construction worker, and he hits the guy in the head. Yeah, and then you realize like, oh shit, like this this is like an actual thing that can get him to lose his house and then you see like pixar shows blood they show this man's skull bleeding and then he just runs back into his house and like locks the doors and then he gets like the court summons and stuff but you just see the developer the spooky alien looking man with his hand on the fence post staring through the window through his sunglasses and it's just such a such a creepy shot and such just so foreboding like oh yeah, my gosh dude. like you feel you feel it it's, it's like this character says nothing throughout the movie but the three shots that you see him in are just oh my gosh so poignant and just just a testament to Pixar's level of storytelling in this movie <laughs> and Oh, I just I just really like it. I love super subtle nuanced things like that. It's proof that dialogue, you don't need dialogue. If you can if you can have a scene put that much of an emotional connection without having to say anything, that just speaks to the brilliance of the craft of filmmaking and storytelling and character development and all of, all of these pieces coming together in this perfect way to just make this megazord of a scene that just <laughs> hits you in all the right ways. It really does, particularly with yeah. his introduction. Uh, after the montage, you immediately get this next montage of him getting ready for the morning, putting his teeth in his mouth and all this, and then you just yeah. – all of it's very quick cuts, and then you have him slowly descend in the frame down the steps – yeah, and it stops, and he like hits it on the arm, and mm. it goes again. And what a what a great <laughs> what a great introduction to this new Carl post Ellie, who's yeah. clearly miserable and alone. And you just feel for him, and you do. And it's great because then once again to kind of show this great storytelling that's going on in this film. The reason why it, it got Oscar nominated is then the villain is quite literally not just. Not just a mirror, but literally the mirror for our character. Charles Muntz is alone, secluded, in, in, and he has pursued this dream almost to the point of obsession. Not only has he eschewed any kind of connection with anyone else, mm-hmm. but he's, you know, he's been afforded this this glory, and clearly he, he's got to be rich to have freaking Zeppelin with all this, this cool shit in it. So he's yeah. done it. He's this adventurer. You know, He hasn't settled down. He hasn't done anything with anyone, and... And yet, you know, it never stops, right? That's the whole point. It's, it's never, it's always something else. There's always the. Well, the he was party. trying to do the same thing for the last like exactly. seven years, trying and to he, catch this one bird. And he never realized at all that, like, you know, maybe there's just other shit you could be doing, man. I don't know. Like, is it really just worth Well, when you're denounced from the adventurer community as a fraud because yeah. they are like, yeah. oh, the skeleton was fake, even though the skeleton clearly wasn't because we see this this freaking bird later on exactly and And also let's talk really quick about the whole prospect of of um living in a zeppelin in isolation and the maintenance required on living in in a zeppelin a a for its time at the time zeppelins were operational a highly outdated method of transportation and a highly inefficient 
and dangerous. I know what you're getting at. Where does the poop go? Where does the poop go? Well, no, that not just that, but the whole idea of like like maintenance on aircrafts is very very intensive, and the wear and tear on a zeppelin, like if you're in a rainstorm, the zeppelin can go down. Yeah, and he has engines. He has those propellers. They are not just solar powered. I didn't see any yeah. solar panels on things. So where is he getting all the fuel? Who knows? Right. Does he leave? Like he's been this area away to go get from society fuel? for yeah such a such a long amount of time. And not to mention to uh, to have a squadron of fighter planes specifically outfitted for dogs to pilot. Yeah, the dogs too, though. Even the dogs. Yeah. That's that that calls into question. You know, how, how did you get all those dogs? I mean, you just been breeding them. Where's the breeding Probably. section, I guess? Where are the females? Because you have multiples. Uh, wh- what's going on there? How's I mean, the, the, for you? the cabin and the Zeppelin seem pretty big. Yeah, there are yeah. a lot of a lot of logic kind of goes out the window when you really. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. It's cool. It's like, when else have we ever seen a character that just lives in a Zeppelin and yeah, exactly. travels in a Zeppelin? But also like the idea of. In a cave in a Zeppelin. Of, uh, maintaining and operating a Zeppelin by yourself is pretty, is pretty insane. Yeah, yeah. It's also implausible, but yeah. <laughs> visually it's awesome. I mean, granted, there's like a crew of dogs, but. Yeah, let's. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know for our listeners, they want us to talk about Doug, but let's be honest. He's he's gorgeous. He's great. Wonderful. He's, I love the dog. He's the emotional. I'm sorry. He's the comedic backbone of the film. Yeah. Every time, well, him and Russell. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I I do love him, but I, what can I say? I mean, Russell to me, when you meet him, is is also once again, he's kind of like the Dory element of in the story, where he is the opposite. You know, he wants to explore, but now he also deals with the lack of any kind of connection. His mom, he loves, but mm-hmm. you know, she's put him in this little thing, and his dad never shows we up. We don't even know who his mom is. We don't even know if his mom's alive because we yeah, know right? Phyllis is his mom. I don't know. Because all we get is Phyllis isn't my mom. Exactly. Idiot. Yeah. It's pretty It's pretty uh, devastating, though, to find out this kid is is upbeat, you know, because children are so resilient and they have this, this great innocence about them. So all this comedy and everything like that is really just – it's it's elevated once you find that about him. That's what I loved about repeat viewings of this movie. You just mm. go back and you start to realize how, how happy he is to be with this little – old curmudgeon in yeah. the forest as, as mean as he is to him you know in a way russell kind of relates to him because russell also feels alone he doesn't oh, go sorry go i was just gonna say like russell doesn't feel like he has much of anyone or at least anyone who understands him and here's this old man who does want to go on an adventure and does want to go do something so does russell and so that's yeah. really all he's along for it's pretty well great. he's there to assist the elderly and get his badge <laughs> yeah really, maybe <laughs> i mean essentially <laughs> Russell's motives are as pure as Charles Muntz, Muntz's motives. Yeah. Of getting something for fame and glory. Yeah. He wants to become the next level scout by getting his helping. Yeah. I mean, th- that's a very, that's a very surface level thing to like break down this character to. I mean, obviously this character has some semblance of morality of not like kidnapping a bird that is a family for your own your own very, very British colonial uh, imperialistic uh, mentality. But yeah. Also, what were... Oh, there was was a funny badge, I remember, that like they gave at the end to one of them. What was it? It was like advanced mountain lore. 
<laughs> when they were like giving the badges out. Oh man, I don't. <laughs> even, I, I can't even remember. There were so many badges though. Yeah, but when like, they were like doing the pinning ceremony, and then he was like the first kid he got one for like mountain lore, and I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> they were all just goofy names, but um. So with the villain in this movie, though, it's kind of another one of those Pixar like bait and switch things where you think you think it's a good guy and then they turn out to be a dick. Like when when was the turning point for you guys where you're like, oh, this is not a good guy. When he uh, was going through all the helmets and explaining the stories. Yeah. Yeah, I, I that don't seemed know. like I very like Bond's villainy. Yeah, it was. It was pretty freaky, too. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I don't know, I kind of got the the hint that as soon as he was introduced in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then I was like, well, let's see if that has any relevance later on the film. Sure enough, it does, and I'm going, okay, yeah. I see where this is going, because as the old saying goes, you should never meet your heroes, because you'll be disappointed. Yeah. And that's, like, you just don't meet your heroes. And he does. He meets his hero, and sure enough, he's he's vastly disappointed in him, and it and it does. It, it I feel like I'm making the same point I did previously, but I guess I'll put a little bit of twist on it. Mm-hmm. The the central conflict is what is it that you you want from life? Do you want other people to recognize you? Do you want some kind of fame and notoriety? Do you do you want personal gain? You know, like are you doing it for yourself? Or are, are you are you going to turn around and realize what it is that you actually have, what you've had all along and that, you know what? You are pretty awesome. Even though you didn't take that big adventure, you didn't go on that plane flight. You didn't go to that hidden Island. You didn't go to a fucking waterfall and put it in your house there. Well, he did do that you, though. You, I, well, you know what I'm saying? Like before all that, Carl has to go through all that to realize like, okay, but I'm, I'm pretty fucking cool for having this great person in my life for, for choosing the right person. Not a lot of people do that. Not a lot of yeah. people make it to that. And, you know, doing right by her and, and loving someone so dearly and having those personal connections and also Russell when he realizes what he means to Russell. And it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. It's, I just remember crying, dude. Like I cried in the beginning and then I cried by the end, you know, cause it, it this movie touches on a lot of, of human things and anxieties mm-hmm. that we all go through and maybe we're not old enough yet to really appreciate them. Because, I mean, the movie has a great fight scene between two old guys. Which oh, my goodness. I, oh, that fight scene is so good. Adam, um, <laughs> which is pretty great, you know, yeah. and which, once again, a, a movie that uh, has uh, basically nothing but two old guys, a bird and a, and a little kid and a dog and dogs that talk yeah. somehow managed to be emotionally compelling for and a anyway. Zeppelin. OK, yes, the Zeppelin in the flying house. Yeah, it's just it's gorgeous. It's wonderful. I love yeah. it. It's, I did like it, how this movie also didn't have like a huge slew of characters. No, nah, it didn't. It doesn't it, need it either. Yeah. And which, once again, you guys, I'm going to do it. Pixar. Can someone do like, we? Can, Zach, you got to put the drum roll in here just for, I guess you could say, ironic, dramatic effect. <sighs> Buddy storyline. Again, you have two central characters on a journey and they're going to learn from each other and eventually r- learn some great, you know, value mm-hmm. by the end of the story but they can only do it together because once again, it's two characters on a journey. It's what Pixar is really good at. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you get two central characters, you move them from point A to point B. Pixar is really good at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean the big turning point for Carl was when, uh, when he looks 
through Ellie's book of adventures past <laughs> the things I'm going to do and then which I guess it seems like he'd never done before and saw like their wedding pictures and stuff like that and yeah. then the bit at the end where he's like thanks for the where she's like thanks for the adventure now go have a new one and then that's like his his turning point of oh I just put my house here for <laughs> my dead wife's life goal now immediately five minutes after I'm going to throw out all of our worldly possessions and fly this house to save a bird and a boy that stole my leaf blower. Yep. Cause he realized he did everything he, he was going to set out to do, right? Oh, I'm going to do yeah. it. Oh, turns out it rings hollow. It doesn't mean yeah. anything. <laughs> but then at the end, it seemed like the house landed back on that cliff face anyway. Yeah. Which is really beautiful and poetic. Yeah. I like that very much. Yeah. I did. I did. I liked it a lot. Yeah, and it is sad when the house like flies away. Oh, dude, it got yeah. me, man. It did. It got me. But I mean, also real quick, was- I want to note. I love that he was steering the house with a coffee <laughs> grinder, like an <laughs> antique <laughs> coffee grinder that had ropes tied around it. Yeah, dude. And then also the uh, the the sound effect that they used for all the uh, st- the the strings that were holding the balloons yeah. um, in the fireplace. When you watch it again, I mm. I. I I guess it's like a uh, what is it? What is it? What I'm looking at? What is it called? The giant thing that people strum. Uh, the harp. Yeah, it was really cool. I love that sound effect. <laughs> I love the harp sound effect. I, I've told you when I'm doing this whole thing where I'm coming off the top of my head, it usually ends up pretty bad. I have a lot. Yeah, of that's that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, is there anything else to uh, to say about this movie right now? Yeah, Matt. What you got? What do you got? You pretty Matt? much covered everything. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any like notes or anything that you wanted to drop? No, you like pretty much covered all my notes. Oh, good job, us. Cool us. Cool up. <laughs> so, are we ready? Are we ready to vote now? Yeah, I'm ready. I do want to. I do want to say one more thing, real quick. Do when it. I love. I really love the every time they bring up that he's a tiny mailman. <laughs> I know, every I time it's always funny to me yeah it is because it's such a it's sort of idiosyncratic too because but it's the, perfect dog speak the way well, yeah, they do the it idea that these dogs would have had to be like second third fourth fifth generation dogs living on this <laughs> airship in the middle of nowhere and probably never seen a mailman probably get never seen a mailman they're they're their parents, their grand dogs, their great grand dogs probably down that word. <laughs> had never seen a mailman because they'd always lived on this airship. <laughs> yeah, but they passed down that word. That's how they spoke to each other. Like, okay, tiny mailman. That is a mailman. That's a tiny I mean. mailman has returned. Yes. And then when he's like on the lift gate and they're like, Yeah, keep yelling. Your your mailman friends can't hear you. <laughs> I love it, dude. It's so weird. Oh. And then at the end, when Doug is like, when they're counting the cars, and then Doug's like, "Oh, gray one, oh, gray one," because if you didn't know, dogs are colorblind. Yes. It kind of reminded me of Wilfred, how they have all of those like the moments where he's just saying these weird introspective things that are really only applicable to dogs, but yeah. trying to equate them to a human setting. <laughs> it's 
it's pretty it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, anyway, enough about that. I think I think are we ready to vote? Um, I'm so ready to vote. Let's do it. Well, you wanna you wanna drop the first vote? Yeah, man. I'll drop that that awesome vote. Um <sighs> Lilo and Stitch. While it no, see, I don't know, man. All right. I'm trying to really because now you put me on the spot. Yeah, it's tough. Because honestly, I thought I was gonna vote one way, but I I really appreciate Lilo and Stitch and yeah. how wonderful it is for me. Uh no, I gotta do it. I gotta go with my heart. Um up. Up is the the more well made film. It is really well made. And I love it a lot. That's it. I'm going with it. Mm-hmm. Going with going with up. Matt. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> pretty much what Will said. That's what I was going to say. Now well Matt made. has embodied meh. That's what it is. He's decided to not just go on about his meh points. He is now meh personified. <laughs> yeah, up. Uh, yeah, what Will said. That was literally what I was going to say. <laughs> Darn. Um, okay, so I guess it's up to me to break the tie. Get it up to me. <laughs> yeah, way to go. Because my vote, my vote counts as three votes. Yes, it does. Do it. No, I'm joking. It doesn't. Um, But these two, I feel like these movies are a lot closer than I would have initially thought. Yeah. Like rewatching Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch, I think, holds up in a time when Disney films were kind of weird. And allowed to be so, like almost encouraged. Yeah. Well, it was sort of it was sort of like that weird transitional period for Disney. Right. Because this was like. The Eisner and like Iger years. Yep. Where stuff was weird or whatever. Um, <laughs> and like the early bits of DreamWorks where like people were leaving Disney for DreamWorks and stuff. So stuff was all sorts of weird. But I feel like with Lilo and Stitch, we did get something different. We got something kind of, kind of neat, something wholesome and not too like overly emotional which sometimes that's good sometimes whatever anyway i'm just like rambling at this point i'm gonna go with up but these are both very good films they're both very fun films lilo and stitch i think it holds up up definitely holds up up gives <laughs> i'm saying up, up, up in a way up up, yeah. up, 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 up up um up is definitely more of an emotional investment but i think in, at the end of the day I mean, yeah, you'll get more emotionally out of Up. And at the end, it's kind of presumed that they they kill this explorer and just steal his airship and live in it. Yeah. Which, with <laughs> of all of the dogs, I guess, which is weird. Yes. I lo- so he gets like this super cool new house that I guess he doesn't have to register or do anything like that with, doesn't have to thinking way Doesn't too have much to get an airship license which i, I imagine brings real world logic into these disney well, no, well think about it i imagine like flying an antique plane is i'm sure there's a lot of weird stuff you've got to jump through to do that i don't think that there are any zeppelins in operation today because of how outdated of an airframe that it is, how many things there are to go wrong with it. Um, actually, I want to look that up real quick. 
let's look up are there any operational zeppelins there any zeppelins aside from led zeppelin in service today there are only 25 blimps currently operating around the world there are even fewer zeppelins I must still dedicate most of the space in the helium envelope to okay uh will zeppelins make a comeback no probably not okay so it looks like they stopped flying after the hindenburg happened and then they were just like okay no more of these I don't see why they would ever try to make Zeppelins anyway. Like, it's just not well, a good idea. I don't know. Well, yeah, they used to, because they used to be like actual military air aircraft carriers where you would have planes attached to them and people would like get in them. I mean, the only other, let's talk about some other, I'm, I'm picking up, by the way, if just to get that out of the way, but we are going to conclude on a little bit of airship, uh, airship, uh, talk so what are some other so indiana jones is the only other uh zeppelin movie that comes to mind indiana jones and the last crusade there's that scene where indy and sean connery are the immortal opening of batman the animated series with that zeppelin over the skyline that was a blimp the one that like crossfades into the warner brothers logo no, uh, what? Uh, that's a Probably. Zeppelin. They have Zeppelins over the city. Of well, Gotham. so a blimp, a Zeppelin is a rigid frame airship. That means it has like the steel girders and stuff in it. Yeah. A blimp is just a big balloon. Ugh. Yeah. You're probably right, but I'm in my heart. I always wanted it to be because like Zeppelins, they haven't been around for like sixty years. All right. Well, way to ruin my childhood. <laughs> Let's just get this podcast over with, shall we? We're going to dance well, uh, here. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Great Movie Showdown. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Great Showdown on Twitter. You can find us. Just type in the Great Movie Showdown or at Great Showdown on Twitter. Tell us you like the show. Tell us you hate the show and that we should feel sad and not be happy with the choices we've made in our lives and how yeah, you would do it better. And um, uh, Matt, you wanna you wanna tell us what the next episode's gonna be? <gasps> Ooh. Uh. Uh. Is that a caveman movie? I think he's talking about Paranorman. That's a really good film by Leica Studios, right? Paranorman. Zomb- Paranorman, yeah. With the zombies. Uh, you never seen Paranorman? Oh, I was thinking of the Igor movie when oh, you said Lord. that. Which was not a very good movie. No, but Paranorman (laughs) is amazing. I love that movie. Uh, We got Toy Story 4 against Tangled. Oh, wow. (gasps) Oh, no, man. Uh, I can just see right now. Everyone's going to hate my decision on this movie, on these movies. I don't even want to. I got to rewatch them now. Now, those ones I have to go out of my way to try and watch. Yeah. That's going to be tough. I hate it because I love Flynn Rider. Well, you don't need to like shout, bro. Come on. I love Flynn Rider, man. I love what is that? Him. Is that a StarCraft character? No, that is the love interest for Rapunzel, and he's amazing. He is wonderful. I I I can't say it enough. I truly love Flynn Rider. Just watch the movie; you'll see what I'm talking about. So, Entangled, uh, Disney returns to its roots of <laughs> Brothers Grimm fairy tales. 
Yeah, yeah, it does. And it's great. <laughs> All I, right. I do. Tangled is wonderful. And Alan Menken uh, did a lot of the music for it. So oh. they brought him back. All right. So that'll that'll be a fun episode. So it's yep. to next week for that. That should be cool. Huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah. you guys. Oh, totally. Yeah. All right. And All uh, right. again, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. And um, <laughs> remember to, uh, to uh, stay safe out there. To keep, yeah, to, you know, keep eating your veggies yeah. and uh, hug somebody that you love. <laughs> Matt, any closing thoughts? What? <laughs> Did you say my name? Yeah, no. I said any. Yeah. He said, uh, "We think that a bat would have done a better time, had a better time recording this podcast than you today, Matt." This has been the. Uh, <laughs> The great Mavi showdown, according to Mavs. <laughs> this has been a nice throw production. Nice throw, Matt.